you would turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. Last week we looked at two announcements. We looked at the announcement of the birth of John the Baptist that Gabriel brought to Zechariah, John's father, and we also looked at the message that Gabriel, the announcement Gabriel brought to Mary and the coming of the birth of Jesus. Next week, we're going to look at the birth of John the Baptist, and then Christmas morning, Lord willing, we're going to look at the birth of Jesus. That's, that's apt to uh, look at that. Once every seven years, we get to actually have Christmas service on Christmas Day, and that's that's something we get blessed to do this year. But sandwiched in between the two announcements and the two births is a conversation between two amazing women that Luke records here in Luke chapter 1, verses 39 to 56, a conversation between Elizabeth and Mary. So as we pick up our text, Luke chapter 1, beginning at verse 39. Now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which are told her from the Lord. And Mary says, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. For he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her house. As we look at those scriptures this morning, I want to start by asking you a question. What brings joy to you? Where do you find joy in this life? Uh, for me, it's spending time with Marie. We went shopping last night and went and had an excellent meal at Chick-fil-A, and, and that brought joy to me. I enjoyed not, not the shopping and the meal, but just being able to spend time with her. I it gives me joy to pull into my driveway in the evening and look at the look at the pond. And usually the geese are on the pond. And usually between my the road and my house, two or three rabbits jump by. And 
Because World War II, last night, there was a possum and a rabbit right next to each other. And the, poss the possum promptly ran across the road uh, right in front of us. And uh, I read somewhere where possums are very intelligent animals, but they struggle crossing the road, don't they? Uh, but that brings me joy to see our house. I, I get joy out of fishing. There's nothing quite like when you're out fishing and you see the float or the bobber go under and you jerk back and you feel a fish pulling on the other end. And, and that brings joy. But what brings you joy? And I got to thinking about joyous things and perhaps the greatest joy we can find is seen in the faces of children as they discover something new. Have you ever looked at a child when he uh, maybe sees water for the first time or sees a fish or a bird or uh, discovers something new? Their, their face just lights up with wonder and joy. And I just pray we would never become so hard-hearted that we don't get joy that way. But when I got to thinking about joy uh, in, in Scripture, uh, the Old Testament records several joyous moments. If you remember in Genesis 30 when Rachel, the son of, uh, or the husband of Jacob, rather, uh, or the wife of Jacob, she wanted a child. And years for years she didn't have a child. And when she finally gave birth to Joseph, she said in Genesis 30, verses 20 and 23, God has taken away my reproach. And, and you could just hear the joy in Rachel's voice as, she says that, and Hannah said something similar to that when she get, finally gave birth to Samuel. I think in Exodus 15 of Moses' song, after God had brought his children out of Egypt and they had crossed the Red Sea safely and God had then brought the waters back together and drowned Pharaoh and his army, Moses sang a song of praise and joy to the Lord talking about how God has toppled the Pharaoh and his riders. And after Moses got finished, uh, his sister Miriam picked up a tambourine, heard some women. They started praising the Lord, and they sang Moses' song. You could just feel the joy in the people. But another time of joy that might not be super familiar to us, and I want to spend a little bit of time on this one, because it connects to our text this morning. In 2 Samuel chapter 6, uh, God, or David rather, wants to bring the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem. He wants to bring it home. And when God, he got ready to do that, he does a lot of things wrong. Back in Exodus and Deuteronomy, God made it very plain how they were to transport the Ark. That a certain group of people, they had to be in the right family that could carry the ark. They put poles through on both sides of the ark and they carried it on their shoulder. Well, David put the ark on a new cart and just had whoever uh, kind of watching over the proceedings and as the cart was going along, when uh, it, it got going, the ox slipped and started to stumble and Uzzah who was more concerned about the dirt of the ground touching the ark, reached out to stable the ark, not thinking about the dirt that was in his unholy hand, and he touched a holy ark, and God struck him dead. And that left David angry, confused, afraid, 
And David asks the question, how can the ark of the Lord come to me? And David lets the ark stay at the house of Obed-Edom. It's in the hill country of Judah for three months. And while the ark is there, God blesses the house of Obed-Edom. And David decides he wants to try to bring the ark back. And this time he does it right. This time he makes sure he had the right people. They had the poles. And, and scripture records in 2 Samuel 6, they took six steps. And when they took six steps, they stopped and they had a church service. They celebrated, they hollered, they danced to the Lord. They made it six steps and God hadn't struck anybody dead yet. Well, they brought the ark into Jerusalem. And as the ark is coming into Jerusalem, scripture tells us that David danced in the, in the, the, the linen of an ephod, a priestly garment, but David dances to the Lord with all of his might. He's just acting like a lunatic in front of the Lord. In fact, his wife got embarrassed. Michael says, you know, a king ought not act the way that you've acted. But you can see the joy in David as the ark comes back into Jerusalem. And you can't miss the joy in our text this morning, as these two women, Elizabeth and Mary, talk. Look at these two women. Elizabeth, she is very old. Her son will close out one age. John the Baptist will be the last of what we would call the Old Testament prophets. If you remember Old Testament history, Malachi said that before Messiah came, Elijah would return. And Jesus tells us later on that John the Baptist is that prophet that Malachi was talking about. John the Baptist, would, even though he lived in Jesus' day, John the Baptist would close out the Old Testament. He'd be the last of those Old Testament prophets. The other woman, Mary, is young. Her son will usher in a new age and a new covenant. Both of these sons will be great. However, John the Baptist will always play second fiddle to Jesus, and John understood that, and that's the way that John wanted it. The coming of Jesus brings great joy. God's been silent for 400 years, and now suddenly God's on the move again. Someone's coming. Not just any someone, the chosen one is coming. Messiah's coming. Can you feel the joy? Can you sense the joy? We see several joyous things in the coming of Jesus. First of all, we see the joy of the Holy Spirit. Gabriel told Zechariah in Luke chapter 1 verse 15 that his son John would be filled with the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb. This is fulfilled in our reading today. Remember when Mary came into the room and it said that the baby leaped in Elizabeth's womb? That was the fulfillment. He filled with the Holy Spirit. And can I stop for just a second? This really doesn't have anything to do with our sermon, but I can't go by this scripture without saying the Bible here points out the fact that both of these fetuses are considered living things. Uh, they are not just a blob. They are not just a bunch of cells. Scripture calls them babies. They are alive. Birth begins uh, at conception. Uh, 
uh, are, you know, it, that's, uh, it's living from the moment of conception. And that's not the point of this message, but we can definitely point that out. It's interesting that Dr. Luke calls the fetus a babe. And so that is something that we need to remember. But we see the joy of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit also fills Elizabeth with knowledge as she sees Mary. And she understands now what it is God has done through Mary. And, and she praises Mary and she praises God through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. But not only do we see the joy of the Holy Spirit, we also see the joy of fulfilled promise. Messiah is finally here. The wait is nearly over. It's interesting. One of Marie's sisters sent a box, a Christmas box for a Christmas present. It's got a present in there for Marie's mom. And she wrapped it just in brown paper. And Marie uh, put that box under the tree. And probably 40 times a day, Miss Cozy said, what's in that box? Well, she just can't stand and not know what's in that box. The, the wait is almost over. It's almost Christmas. You'll get to know about the box here in a few days. Well, they've been waiting for Messiah for 400 years. And really, they've been waiting on Messiah since Genesis 3, when God, when God made that first prophecy about Jesus. But the wait is nearly over. The wait is a few months away. It's almost here. Fulfilled promise. God promised he would send his Messiah, and now it's almost here. The joy of fulfilled promise. And guess what, y'all? That same Jesus that came the first time, He's coming back a second time. Amen. That's another promise that we can look forward to being fulfilled. One way that I know that God's future promises will be fulfilled is the fact that he has already fulfilled the past promises. So the joy of the Holy Spirit, the joy of fulfilled promise, and also the joy of God's presence. Emmanuel, God with us. You know, I can't help but make the connection of John leaping for joy in the presence of Jesus. Jesus is the one who would bring atonement to the world. And David dancing for joy and leaping as the ark was brought into Jerusalem. The mercy seat was located on top of the ark. It's where, if you can remember Raiders of the Lost Ark, remember the ark? And the angels are on top and the wings come together. And where the wings meet, right there, the wings of the cherubim, that's called the mercy seat. That's where God sat. That's where the presence of God was. That's, that's where the high priest would scatter the blood so that the Israelites could find atonement and could find uh, themselves at peace with God. Interestingly enough, that same word in the Old Testament for mercy seat is used in the New Testament as the word propitiation. They're the exact same word. The ark was actually a type of Christ. And what I mean by that is you can see Jesus Christ fulfilled in the ark. As a matter of fact, every piece of temple and tabernacle furniture finds its fulfillment in Jesus Christ. I've got a book in my library I highly recommend to you. It's 
a little paperback book. It's not very expensive, but if you're interested in this kind of thing, it's called Jesus and uh, the, the Tabernacle and Jesus by a man named A.B. Simpson. It was written in the late 1800s. It's a very quick read, but he takes every piece of tabernacle furniture, temple furniture, and shows how Jesus Christ is fulfilled in that. Well, Jesus Christ is our true atonement, right? Jesus Christ is our true propitiation. David brought the mercy seat, the ark, into Jerusalem. Now God will bring the real ark into Jerusalem. Jesus is the real source of atonement and propitiation. Notice these similarities. Mary goes to an unnamed village in the hill country of Judah where Elizabeth lived. David left the ark in the house of Obed-Edom, which, oh, by the way, was in the hill country of Jerusalem, Judah. Very similar places. David asked the question, how can the ark of the Lord come to me? Elizabeth asks, why is it granted to me? that the mother of my Lord should come to me. That's interesting. When David danced before the Lord, he wore the clothing of a priest. David was from the tribe of Judah. David was not a priest. David was a king. However, John the Baptist was from the tribe of Levi, and he had the right to wear priestly garments. Jesus was from the tribe of Judah, like David was, and he would be both priest and king. So it's kind of interesting the way that, that that works out. The ark stayed at the house of Obed-Edom for three months. The last verse of our text this morning said Mary stayed at the house of Elizabeth for three months. God blessed the house of Obed-Edom while the ark was there. Elizabeth uses the word blessed three times in our text today. When the ark and Mary got to their destinations, both were met with great joy. When the ark got to Jerusalem, it went to the temple. Or to, to, it went into God's holy place. The temple hadn't been built yet. Solomon would build that. But yet Luke is all about Jesus going to the temple. If you read the rest of the book of Luke, Luke focuses on Jesus' trip back to Jerusalem for his crucifixion. That's the focus of Luke in his gospel writing. Uzzah couldn't touch the ark and live. However, Jesus is different. Jesus is received differently. Keep your finger here in Luke 1 and look at 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1. <laughs> The Apostle John writes, beginning in verse 1 of 1 John 1, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifested, and we have seen, and, and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested or shown unto us. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you 
that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you, that your joy might be filled. <laughs> Jesus Christ came into this world so that we might have joy in our fellowship with him. We sang this morning, joy to the world, the Lord has come. And what a joyous time that is. Jesus invites us to get to know him. Jesus invites us to experience it. The come a time, John and his apostles have already got to shake his hand and, and touch and feel and handle. One day we'll be able to do that. But right now, we're just saying joy to the world. And, and we, when we sing that song, I hope we just don't sing it because it's a Christmas carol. Just the first verse of that song, joy to the world, the Lord has come. Do we realize how joyous that is? The God of the universe chose to come to earth and tabernacle among us, live among us, dwell among us, Emmanuel, God with us. At this point in time, God came. And that ought to bring us joy. And when we go back to Luke chapter 1, I don't know how much time is between verses 45 and 46. Uh, I, I tend to think Mary responded to Elizabeth immediately, but I don't know. It could have been any time in that three months that Mary stayed with Elizabeth. But Mary sings a song or gives praise. Uh, this is known as Mary's magnific Magnificent. Uh, it is a, it, that's the Latin word for magnify. Uh, and Mary just has a great song of, of praise. And, and as we, we look at this Mary's song, it teaches us several things. Mary's song teaches us about theology. Uh, Mary tells us that God is holy, and God is holy. Mary tells us that God is merciful. Mary tells us that God lifts up and blesses the humble. Mary gives a theology lesson. Mary isn't a seminary professor. Mary isn't a preacher. Mary isn't a theologian. But through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Mary understands who God is. And she just sings and, and praises God for who he is. Mary not only teaches us about theology, she teaches us about salvation. Mary knows who her Savior is. Look at verse 47. Mary says, My spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. Mary understood that she needed a Savior. By the way, can I point out that if Mary was sinless, as some people point, think she is, she wouldn't have needed a Savior, would she? Mary herself recognized she's sinful. Now, Mary was blessed. Mary was highly favored. God blessed Mary. But Mary was just like you and me. Mary was a sinner. Mary could no more save herself by herself than she could have brought Messiah into the world by herself. Mary had to have God's help. So, while Mary to me is an amazing woman, I think she's one of the most godly women that's ever lived. 
Could you imagine being charged with, ladies especially, could you imagine being responsible for raising God's son? Uh, that's, a, that's a high calling, amen? And, and Mary passed with flying colors. But Mary's not God. Mary's not a co-redeemer, and we don't need to worship Mary. So Mary understood about salvation. She understood that Jesus, her son, was coming to save the world. And she may not have understood how all that was going to work, but Jesus told her that his name will be Jesus, and he'll save the world from their sins. Mary teaches us about theology. She teaches us about salvation. She teaches us about doxology. Doxology is worship. True worship is a response to God's greatness. Have you ever had God do something for you where you just know it's God and you just can't help but just to stop and worship Him for a second? Crazy story. We had a our washer last week uh, decided it was going to go on the fritz. It would fill up with water. And then it would dump back out again, and it wouldn't go through the cycles. And uh, Mary said, "You know," or Marie said, "Do you know anybody that works on the washers?" And I said, "No." She said, "I, I will ask Donnie, but Donnie hadn't done much." And so we decided to wait. Yesterday, Marie said, "I think I'm going to try to wash a load of clothes and see what happens." And praise the Lord, the washer worked. God's a good washer repairer. <laughs> We, we, we said praise the Lord, both of us in our prayers yesterday. Lord, thank you for fixing our washer. And on top of that, he fixed the leak in the bathroom too, amen? amen. Now, we may get home and have a foot of water in the bathroom, but right now, God's a good plumber too. But you can't help when you see God acting in your life, but to praise God. And we need to learn to give credit when credit's due. God works in our lives. He has ever been as active today as he was in the Bible. We just have to see it. We just need to understand it. We need to worship God. True worship is a response to God's greatness, his holiness, his grace, his mercy. Nothing takes the place of worshiping God. When you truly realize what God has done for you, you can't help but worship. Can I tell you that worship is more than just the warm fuzzies? People say they worship God to get a feeling. And we should worship God with our emotions. But worship is simply a response that we give to God. And we need to pray for our, our musicians, Eddie and Mary and, and Roger, and myself when I lead music. We are not here giving a performance to you. We are here trying to lead you into the presence of God and to worship God. That, that's what worship is all about. Let's look at this song of Mary. In verse 46, Mary says, My soul magnifies the Lord. Does your soul magnify the Lord? Do you rejoice in God, your Savior? Now, y'all, that's a Christmas present right there. Verse 50. Mary says, God's mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. God's merciful to them that fear him. 
not only in this generation, but if our children and our children's children will continue to fear God and respect God and to worship God and to give God the glory He's due, God will continue to be merciful to them. The first part of verse 52, God is stronger than the strongest king. There have been strong kings in this world's history. Pharaoh, Nebuchadnezzar, Alexander the Great, the Roman emperors, Napoleon, United States presidents. Can I tell you God's greater than all of them? God's stronger than all of them. God raises them up. God sets them out. God is stronger than the strongest king. The second part of verse 53 tells us that God exalts or lifts up the lowly, the humble. God's stronger than the strongest king, but he takes the lowest of people and he raises them up. Are we humbling ourselves so that the Lord can lift us up? Y'all, if we're lifting ourselves up, the Lord's going to take us down. Amen? We need to be humble so God will lift us up. Verse 53, the first part of it says, God gives food to the hungry. The end of that verse says, He sends the rich away empty. You know, we think the rich have everything, but when all is said and done, really and truly, the rich have nothing. What God gives us, we take with us when we die. What the rich have, they leave behind for the kids to fight over. Solomon says, I look at in Ecclesiastes, he says, I look over all my works. And then he says, my children will come and waste everything I've worked for. Verses 54 and 55. God has been faithful to Israel throughout the ages. God keeps his promises. Mary understood that Jesus is a fulfillment of those promises. Jesus is a fulfillment to God's pro of God's promise to Abraham. In Genesis chapter 12, when God said, Abraham, through your seed, all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed. That's Jesus Christ. And Mary understood that it was Jesus that was fulfilling those promises. When we look at the joy in Mary and Elizabeth and in Mary's song, it, it's no wonder we sing joy to the world. Do you have joy this morning? Or are you so wrapped up in the busyness of the season that you've forgotten to be joyous? We're guilty of that if we're not careful with all the shopping we have to do. At work, I have an X amount of work I need to do because nothing much is going to get done over the holidays. So it's either got to be done before the holidays or after the holidays. Everything kind of gets put on hold and uh, we get busy shopping, we get busy putting up decorations, we get busy uh, getting cleaning the house and getting ready to cook dinner. I'm afraid a lot of times Christmas should be the most joyful time of year and sometimes it's the most joyless time of the year because our focus gets on the wrong thing. Joy to the world, the Lord is coming. That ought to rock our world. We ought to leave our church building this morning singing joy to the world. Not the three dog night song. But joy to the world. The Lord is coming. 
that earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. Let heaven and nature sing. Let heaven and nature sing. Joy to Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, thank you for recording this conversation between these two women, Elizabeth and Mary. I pray that our hearts will find the same joy that they had. Father, whatever it is that's in our life this morning that is keeping us from being joyful, I pray that you would bring it to our attention right now. Not so that it gets in the way, Father, but so that we can lay it at the foot of the cross. Whatever is weighing us down, Father, whatever is burdening us, I pray we would get rid of it and let the joy of Jesus fill our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.